Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 48, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I'm Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And we are welcoming back uh, now three-time guests, uh, Jason and Rich, the hosts of the Rulong Talks podcast. Welcome back, guys. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you are here with us, yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jason and Rich were last with us when we discussed uh, Wonder Woman on episode 27, which we will link to in the show notes for people to check out. Um, I'm going to reference Wonder Woman uh, a bit later, so when we get to that. Uh, but you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, as always, you can send us feedback and any questions to feedback at myamada.com or on social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. As usual, we will get started with a little update from the Myamada universe. And we've got a few things happening for the last, what we, month and a half uh, of 2020. Um, little cheer uh, inside there, uh, end of this year. Um, so if you are in our Discord uh, community, uh, you can expect some update on piece of Christmas artwork that we're going to be working on. So what we're going to do is we want to create a festive theme artwork for the GamePad community. Uh, but we want to get your thoughts on it. So what we'll we'll have like some kind of I don't know democracy. We'll try that out because um, that seemed to have uh, been working well recently. And let people vote on what characters we're gonna uh, have in this piece of artwork. So we'll open that voting. If not by the time you listen to this podcast um, soon, that's as much as I can say for now. But we'll have that going through to the end of November, and then we will be working on the artwork through December. Uh, and then once it's finished, we will have a high-resolution piece of artwork that will go to uh, the Discord community and to GamePad ticket holders. So uh, you have a couple options there. If you're not in a Discord community, please do join us. And uh, subtle, not-so-subtle plug for GamePad uh, there as well. Um, other than that, we are also going to be updating our Kickstarter backers as we make progress on the new manga series through the fog uh, so i'm currently writing uh, and the thing with writing is not that exciting to show but we are also working on some new characters including characters um of people who make up the my meta brand so uh, myself uh, lao who's the creator of the series story that i'm now continuing penali our illustrator lava lee editor and tazzy too so if you're following us on um or not followers if you back the last project um we're going to be sharing that and then after that we're going to be sharing those bits of character artwork on our socials um as well in terms of uh, content that you can check out we recently did uh, a couple conventions digital conventions obviously uh, i did a manga panel for thought bubble and have upcoming content um, in the form of one-on-one -on -one interviews with creators um, for the online pop culture fest, which is run by the same team that delivered the Malta Comic Con. Uh, so for Thought Bubble, the panel is called Manga Demystified. It's with Lara Callahan, 
the uh, co-host of the Manga Forum podcast, uh, co-founder of the animation studio The Line, Wesley Lewis, and manga artist Makiko. And we just talked about different aspects of uh, manga, um, how it's influenced, influenced us, and just to give some, I guess, context for people who might not be so familiar with the the medium, and certainly for those who may only know it as a stereotype. So hopefully, uh, if you watch that um, panel, you'll get a bit more of a um, an idea of what manga actually is. And for the online pop culture fest, I interviewed cosplayer, uh, a cosplayer, uh, Aloisha Cosplay. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I'm pretty sure I pronounced it right in the interview, so it's going to be right there. And um, comic artist Laura Howell. So those will be two one-on-one interviews that will be part of the online Pop Culture Fest and will also later be on our own YouTube channel for people to check out. Lastly, we have a live stream coming up on December 12th. So we're doing an end-of-year podcast live stream where we're pretty much recapping uh, the year. Uh, this is what year it's been. Um, and just looking back at our favorite stories, we're also going to bring on the My Matter team uh, in terms of um, us that are working on the new manga to talk about the progress there, uh, recap our favorite stories, and then bring back past guests onto the show to talk about their favorite stories of the year. Uh, and I think we've got a few fan slots as well. So if you are interested, uh, send us a message um, and then you might be able to join us uh, live on Twitch and YouTube. That's what we've got coming uh, between now and the end of the year. Let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week. So it's our time for the spoiler-free discussion about what stories everyone has been reading, watching, or playing. So we will start with our guest. So do one of you two want to go first? I'm a gentleman, Jay. You can go first. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome, That's so sweet. <laughs> Ooh, you're making me blush. <laughs> um, for me this week, the story that I've mostly been enjoying and, and finding just hilarious is uh, Shokugeki no Soma, also known as Food Wars. Uh, I've been watching the anime series um, since I discovered it. When did I originally discover it? It would have been around the time that lockdown started, I believe. Um, sort of March of this year was when I found it on Crunchyroll. And I just started binging it. And it was at a point where uh, my son was starting to develop a, a, an interest in the television and realising there was this big thing on the wall that showed moving images. Um, and it just so happened that any time I put on an anime, he would stop whatever he was doing and, and watch it. And um, Shokugeki no Soma was one of those that he stopped and watched every single time it was on. So we ended up kind of getting into it together, well, that and, and other animes. But um, I've really enjoyed it. It's come to its final season, and I've just finished watching the final episode. Um, as this is a non-spoiler discussion, I, I, I won't get into any details about what happens for those listening who are fans. But um, I, I've really enjoyed the ride with uh food wars to be honest it's it's um it's very funny it's a nice kind of um slice of life type of anime um lots of comedy in there it always kind of keeps things quite light uh so there's never anything too heavy-handed or, or, or too depressing so you know if it's something if, if you're the type of person who needs a kind of pick me up and, and something to to kind of lift your spirits up then you know it's a really light-hearted story that will absolutely do that for you it really does 
a great job of, of kind of, as I said, marrying together kind of comedy with, with slices of life. It's it's almost like a bit of a shonen story as well because there's lots of confrontation um, involved in it. Again, for people who are familiar with it, then you you probably know what I'm talking about. But what the story does really well is is it's quite fast-paced. It doesn't linger too long on specific elements or, or specific story arcs in the way some anime can do. Um, it treats all of its characters pretty well. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous in terms of its sense of humor, but again, that that's great, especially in this kind of time period we're in where everybody needs something positive to fall back on. You know, Shokugeki no Soma is, is definitely something I would recommend. That's what I've been watching really this week and, and, and really loved it. Um, you know, we talked about the similarities, Nigel, about um, Shokugeki no Soma and... Um, kind of what you've done with Samurai Chef. And, oh, yeah. and it is quite, quite similar. Which is weird because I've never seen um, Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get that in there for the lawyers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, I'll just put it out there. Just make sure, make sure that it's there. Uh, I say this of my own free will. I've never seen this show. Anyway, Jason, what were you saying? Yeah, no, but I was just saying, you know, it, it did... Um, it does, obviously, because it's centred around food and... and you know, a competitive kind of food making, I guess there, there's some similarity there. But what I also liked about it, which is what kind of Samurai Chef does, is it kind of gives um, so much dramatic tension to to the art of, of creating food and, and displaying food. Um, and, you know, it, it shows so well in in the anime why that is something that that we as human beings love love you know when you look at what the the most popular tv shows are on tv it's you know bake off and and things like that you know people are talking about these kinds of things and yeah food wars definitely kind of uh touches on that as well so um yeah food wars is is what i've been really enjoying this week Mm -mm. if anyone hasn't yet started food wars i would advise that you have a meal ready every time you watch an episode (laughs) (laughs) because the animation and like the style has a, a very very good way of making you like really hungry like i just want to eat yummy food (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how they managed to like televise taste, but <laughs> it's brilliant because the, the it's the artwork and the animation style. It, it, it's so um, you know it, it's so well drawn and well animated. The artwork is so vivid that you can literally kind of smell the food through your TV. They, they have this way of describing you know everything that they do step by step using you know really evocative language it, it that plus the visuals just kind of creates this you know this sensation in your nose where you can smell everything they're cooking you can taste everything they're cooking and yeah as as tazzy said don't, don't watch it on the empty stomach <laughs> um so rich what about you oh me i've been oh and food was like that's all i've heard that basically if you're watching the show you need to have food ready yeah, and um, I'm scared, man. I'm scared. I'm gonna put on weight, so I've I've kind of like stayed away from it. But I'm in lockdown. I haven't got nobody to impress, so I think I'm just jumping <laughs> this band bandwagon, man. But in regards to what I've been, I haven't been watching. Well, I've been watching a few things, but I've been reading um, the latest X Men uh, storyline. There's about 22 or 24 parts. It's called um, X of Swords, and it's basically the what you could could you could say it's the third phase of the writer Jonathan Hickman's story. So he started off with um, House of X, and then he went on to Powers of X, and now he's hit Swords of X. And um, it's just a, a wacky 
fantastical science fictiony superhero X-Men story like but it hasn't been done like that in a in a long time. I think maybe no in fact maybe when Just Whedon and Grant Morrison kind of flirted around of like basically you know the the mutants aren't just confined to earth like the amount of different types of powers that you can get the amount of stories that they can get into that aren't just confined to fighting against like the juggernaut or magneto are infinite and i was just thinking like so right now in this powers of x there's that a tournament a, a sword tournament has been set up between two factions um of of characters so one of the x-men and the other half are um apocalypse's children so there's like a whole backstory now to where Apocalypse really comes from and how old he really is and how his conquest to take over the Earth has never actually been because he's mean. His thing of like, you know, survival of the fittest is a mantra to generally make the, you know, the mutant population better for themselves. And they end up having this battle with, uh, across another dimension of Apocalypse's kids. But it's just, if any of you guys have read Walt Simonson's Run on Thor, where it just took this like uh, this character and just threw him into like threw him out of his comfort zone. That's what this whole thing feels like. But you've got characters like Wolverine, Cypher, Tim Britton, Psylocke. It's just bonkers, man. And as I, as I'm reading it, it, it for some reason I keep on thinking to myself, could Jonathan Hickman be one of the best writers, or if not the best writer right now? And it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of what he's done, they might use that to try and bring in the Fantastic Four and the X-Men or mutants into the MCU because he's just like right now he's he's cornered a, a, a part of the Marvel Comics universe just which is just great you can now build off that so like characters like Venom are building off what he's been doing um the Avengers are following suit building off what he's doing so anybody who wants an insight as to what may happen in the MCU later down the line um maybe go pick up Fantastic Four and um X-Men by Jonathan Hickman Hmm. I saw. I think I saw that pretty well. Man. Yeah, yeah, I you think did. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Let me <laughs> let me get on that. I'm I'm in. No, definitely. That sounds like really really cool and uh, quite fun as well. I like anything that's a bit crazy. Yeah, with a lot going on because it makes me feel like I'm in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. The, you know what? The, the thing is, you saying that that's that that's why I'm so drawn to it. Like. I finish my chapters one week and like, and I go to sleep and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is so great. Like, yeah. Jubilee's got a pet dragon. She's got <laughs> a pet dragon that breathes fire, that every time it breathes fire, it destroys like walls of the, of the, of like the, the different universes of multiple, of like the Marvel universe. Like, I can't sleep when I read that. <laughs> like, so yeah, I'm super excited. I know what you mean. Excellent. I've been watching Bly Manor on Netflix, which is like a... A f- what? what genre is it? I don't know, like a thriller, horror, romance? <laughs> a ghost story romance, that's what it is. And I would put off watching it for so long because it has an actor in it that I just really enjoy. Rahul, who's also like a big gamer. So, you know, ticks two boxes for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's someone that I follow- I've followed since... I, I watched iZombie, like, when that came out. So, yeah, Bly Manor, uh, I wanted to watch because he plays, like, this really uh, funny chef with just tons of dad jokes, and I'm just there for the dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I did, like, originally I was, like, literally just watching it to, to watch him. Like, I think he's a good actor, and, and, and um, I enjoy watching his stuff. 
but it's just a really gripping tale. So there are ghosts in it. There are a couple of like jumpy bits. And I thought I'd be way more scared than I was because I'm such a scaredy cat. But the story is just so gripping and so interesting. All the characters like have these these backstories and these secrets that you're like progressively going through and like kind of unlocking as the series goes on. I'm about halfway, I think. And there's just like little things that I was like, oh, like, is this what this character's like? Is this what's happened to this character? Is this what's... And, like, as you're going on, there's, like, little clues hinting to, like, different things about different characters. And it's just, like, the way this, this like, it just un- unravels and unwinds. And it's just very enjoyable. And the characters just have so much depth. Like, no one's simple. And I love that. I just love that they they all have this this history uh, that's led them to be at this manor, Bly Manor, uh, which in itself has a load of history. And yeah, it's it's great. And the kind of like finding out why characters, like what characters have in common and why they might be drawn to each other. And yeah, there's just lo- lots of sad but beautiful love stories in it. And I'm I'm a sob for a love story. And there's not there's not one character that I hate their character there's characters that i hate or dislike because they're not very nice people but you like how they're played yeah i yeah exactly i like how they're played i like how they're written uh there's not one character that i just think of why do you why are you in this they're all like nope wow <laughs> love it so yeah i know that this is a no spoiler thing it's really hard to talk about without spoilers but yeah it's it's pretty good and 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 creepy there's two children in it, so that just goes, you know, it's going to be creepy when there's like creepy kids in it. Especially two of them. Yeah. Uh, one, a, a girl who's, is she like eight? And then the boy's like 11 or something like that. And the premise is that uh, they've, they've lost their parents and this American becomes a nanny for them. That's as much as I can really say. And everyone just has really complicated, like, there's there's so much going on and like death is involved with it that's the only other thing (laughs) (laughs) other than the ghost there's like actual death in it so yeah no it's it's so interesting it's just oh i just i want to go watch it now i'm talking about it (laughs) i've just found out something and it was something that i kind of had like a thing like nagging at me thinking that this was a thing because there's just all these little like hints and if you know yeah you're like your stuff about hauntings and ghosts, you'll you'll pick up on them if you're totally clueless oh, about like those things. Then you won't really realize it. Um, yeah. So, and then I've just found out something, and I'm just like, oh my god, how's this all gonna like pan out? <laughs> but yeah, it's very tragic though. Think like Romeo and Juliet, tragic. I've seen a. I think I've seen a trailer for it. It looked intriguing. I was intrigued by it. I'm not, but I've not seen it. Oh yeah, that is definitely intriguing. Just be intrigued. Let it draw you in. Because <laughs> um, each episode will kind of keep doing that. Okay, I like that. Mm. Yeah. So, what about you, Nigel? What have you been been consuming? Um, so, I am uh, actually I'm currently reading the Wikipedia page for X of Swords because I'm uh, drawing to that. But let me let me close that and um, talk about what we're here for. <laughs> um, I've been watching uh, Mr. Robot, 
And ha- have any of you seen this sh- this show? No, I've heard about it a lot. Okay. Yeah, I d- I I, um, I watched the first season. I didn't watch the second. I, I don't know why. I think it just bypassed me. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> this yeah. is on Prime, right? It's on Prime. Yeah. So I really need it. to get into some Prime shows. Yeah, some good stuff on there. And I, because I've known of this show, and particularly because uh, there's a, a tech podcast I listen to, and they always reference it um, for like for years now, uh, and just quite favorably because it's quite, um, you know, sometimes you get like this idea. Right, let me explain what it is. But uh, so you, it's like <laughs> a like a thriller series, and you've got this um, this character. You know what? I've actually forgotten his name. The main character. <laughs> Oh, I'm so bad with names. It's it's anyway. This guy, he is a hacker. He's like a, a cybersecurity um, employee, or he works in a cybersecurity um, firm. Um, sort of by day and by night, he's a hacker. But specifically, you pick up as he's being recruited um, into this. Uh, I guess this uh, this anarchist group. Definitely, the leader is an uh, an anarchist leader who of hackers who are trying to bring down. Uh, this giant uh, corporation called Evil Corp, and he has sort of ties to them. Um, so the the interesting thing about the the main character though is that he, oh Elliot, I don't know why it just came to me, but um, so he suffers from sort of mental health, and it's very much it reminded me initially of uh, if anyone's seen Dexter in the way that uh, Dexter would uh, narrate his existence through his work, and he's quite a I guess Elliot is quite a distant character, like emotionally. <laughs> um, so he's very introverted. He sort of talks to himself. And uh, like I said, he he suffers from mental health issues. But this show, I don't know. I don't have the, the vocabulary to explain what they're doing sort of visually, but it's the love is unsettling. You don't know what's what. And the way they shoot it is very, like, it just keeps you on edge. And then as the story unfolds, it's like you're not sure what's what in the story but it's coupled with this this the way they they shoot and the way they set up the scenes and the cinematography it just gives you this impression that everything is just on edge and you're just like waiting to find out as the character is waiting to find out what what is what you're also finding out with the character so in that way is it is very gripping uh in that way because you're not sure what's going to happen next and uh, it's always that kind of like i don't know what to say uh without <laughs> going into spoilers but I, I really enjoyed it. And also on the technology side, sort of I appreciated the, the authenticity. Like it, it feels authentic. Like I've, I've never been a hacker, but I, I did work as a software engineer for uh, a number of years. So stuff like that, I'm like, okay, how, how are they doing that? And it, and it, it feels authentic how they're, um, how he does his, his hacking, um, for lack of a better term. And it's always the balance in, uh, in film or TV to, show you what can be really a, a dry um process in terms of interacting with uh with computers and everything but then add that drama to it and a lot of the times i find they they kind of they dumb it down way too much and they just throw things that just aren't actually real but this it, it seems that they've they, there's someone on their writing team that understands computers <laughs> basically which is it doesn't always happen so um yeah so i'm i think i've got one or two episodes and it's just like shoes are just dropping and dropping per episode um so i'm really uh i'm really enjoying it and looking forward i didn't know there were so many seasons i thought it was like two seasons um so i'm looking forward to watching like the the rest of uh what is available um so yeah that's what i have been 
watching and uh once i order this uh x-men comic i've actually got because <laughs> <laughs> throughout this pandemic i've i've not been reading as many comics just just i've not been able to buy as much stuff but i think once this phase current phase of lockdown that we're in ends hopefully it doesn't and uh just making a trip to a comic book shop and just buying a bunch of comics so i'm going to add that to my list uh, and maybe talk about it in a future episode and speaking of comics we're going to go on to our main story discussion in today's episode we are going to be talking about captain america civil war which is the 13th film in the marvel cinematic universe it's been directed by anthony and joe russo also known as the russo brothers and stars chris evans uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, you know the whole cast of of characters that they've managed to um, shove into this uh, into this epic battle so well. So spoiler alert for Civil War and other Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe films. Not sure which ones, but we're going to be talking about some of them. So yeah, just beware if you have not uh, if you have not seen it, um, you have been warned. So we're going to get some quick overall impressions. I'll do a recap and then we'll dive into the story. So starting with our guests. So Rich, uh, what is your um, overall impression of this film? Oh, Captain America Civil War? I, I love it. I mean, initially when I first saw it, I was like, uh, especially coming off like Captain America Civil War, which is like easily one of the best MCU movies. Um, and you mean Winter Soldier? Movies. Yeah, sorry, Winter Soldier. My bad, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nigel, what happened? I thought you would have noticed that. But, um, <laughs> I failed the test. <laughs> Hell Hydra, Hell Hydra. But, um, um, especially coming off like um, Captain America: Winter Soldier. But um, so, so I felt a bit, I felt a bit cheated because there was because to me initially it felt like I was watching Avengers two point one with all the guest stars in it. It's only when I watched it the second and the third time, and I was like, this is just another masterpiece. Like technically, Captain America has the best trilogy in the whole of the MCU and it's and I think you could put it up there with like movies in general that have a really strong trilogy sometimes you have like a first good film uh, you know an even better second film and the third film just flops but Civil War is is a perfect end somewhat to that Captain America story arc that you have in, in, the, in the in the MCU but um but, but I like I said I was really harsh when I first watched it and then when I watched it the second time and then I realized how much of a good job they did juggling all of these characters on the screen and you know and and basically and showing the stories for all of these characters and then literally come by the end of it you get the the true civil war so to speak and like you know and such as in war you have have your death you have your losses you have you know you have your wins but it all comes at a price um it, it's a really good film man really really good film I, yeah i can't mm. praise it okay how about you jason I swing uh, between this and a couple of others as my favorite MCU film. Um, when it first came out, I absolutely loved it, adored it. Um, I, I thought it was just an amazing achievement, as, as Richard said, to, to kind of to close out Captain America's story arc in, in the way that they did. I thought it was a very brave choice and also was was just exhilarating as well as, as as a thrill ride but also had you know a lot of a lot of heart uh, a, a lot of 
a lot of emotion that I didn't expect from, you know, a, a comic book movie and um, genuine emotion as well, not just kind of, you know, because sometimes with comic book movies, you get the sense that because the characters can come across as very grandiose and, and um, you know, larger than life, that there are some kind of movies, <clears throat> not to mention any names, but um, there are some movies that, that kind of disappear up their own behinds trying to convince you that they have you know this deep meaning that they're <laughs> trying to convey or or that they're trying to make some statement about the the, the nature of man and and um you know and and uh, how we should fear omnipotence and, and so on and so forth and captain america civil war just kind of takes all that out and throws it in the bin and says no we're going to tell you a very simple story at first, it's going to appear complicated, but as the story goes along, you're going to get it. If you stick with us, you'll get the story. And then you'll understand that really what we're trying to show you here is just something very simple about two opposing sets of ideals and about a decision that's made that could really have dire consequences for all characters in, involved. And I just love the way the movie kind of sticks to that simple principle and yet manages to build all these other little extra, you know, shiny bells and whistles on, on along the side of it that, um, you know, are, are there to please the fans. But ultimately, that's what the story is about. And yeah, I, I said, I, I just absolutely adore this film for so many reasons. And I'm sure we'll get into that in, in the discussion. So I won't um, say any more than that. Totally get that. Um, Tazzy, what, what were your thoughts? Um, I really enjoy this film. And uh, it's like, it starts off with a lot of action and it's just like, oh yeah, it's a Marvel superhero movie. And then we get into the storyline and it suddenly gets really deep really quickly. <laughs> and I just, there's just so many themes in it. And like, for me, ultimately, it's a story about uh, how human superheroes are and friendship. And that, and overcoming differences while while you are friend, like between friends, and blinded by friendship. Yeah, and like just like just the humanness of it. Like for me, it's just so human. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll talk more about why I think that a bit later on. But um, I, I really like it. Though. All right. Well, this is about to be uh, some hive mind podcast because we all like think the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, no, wow, no, so, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, I really like, I, I really enjoyed this film. I, because I enjoyed it when I watched it the first time, and I felt that it, it's, it's so well executed on both. Like Jason touched on both, like. The, the spectacle of what you would expect from a comic book film, but also the the fundamentals of a of a film of a story that has themes and delivers on those throughout from like beginning to end. And I think I I need to get into a habit of like rewatching films. I'm quite terrible at rewatching films. Um, and I was like thankful because of this podcast is maybe rewatch stuff. And when you rewatch things, you when you when you've already seen a story, you can. Uh, take it in in a different way and I feel like I appreciate the film even more now for watching it a second time and also coming back having you know now we've got to the end of uh, the Infinity Saga uh, coming back to what is quite a, a pivotal point in the in the Infinity Saga so I really liked I, I really liked the themes that it, it laid out 
I think, um, yeah, like other films try to uh, take sort of high concept and uh, adapt that to film uh, and have failed. This took a sort of high concept, what happens when you try and, you know, regulate these superheroes and then took it from the high concept down to the personal levels and it and it just works uh, all the way down. So, and it just looks cool. <laughs> There's a lot of cool uh, action in it, um, lots of cool characters. And yeah, I, I feel... I, we're going to get into it, but I just feel like it's almost taken for granted what Marvel have done. And I apologize for sounding like a Marvel fanboy here, but just like what they've done is, is not, it, it didn't have to go this way. It didn't need to be this good. And, and it, it could have gone a different way. And I think they've done such a good job, uh, in putting that together. So yeah, we're going to, uh, we're going to dig into the, yeah, all of the, the themes and the characters and everything. I will do a quick recap of the story to refresh everyone's memory. So this is a story that takes us to 1991, where super soldier James Bucky Barnes is brainwashed and dispatched from a Hydra base to intercept a vehicle carrying super soldier serum. In the present day, Captain America, Black Widow, Falcon, and Wanda Maximoff are in Lagos, that's Nigeria, to stop the theft of a biological weapon by Brock Rumlow, aka Crossbones. Rumlow blows himself up in the fight and Wanda diverts the explosion, accidentally killing several Wakandan humanitarian workers in the process. This leads the US Secretary of State to inform the Avengers that the United Nations is about to pass the Sokovia Accords and bring oversight to the team. The Avengers are divided. Tony Stark supports oversight while Steve Rogers resists. Meanwhile, Helmut Zemo steals a book containing Bucky's trigger words. At a conference to ratify the Sokovia Accords, a bomb kills Wakanda King T'Chaka. Security footage shows the bomber to be Bucky, whom the King's son T'Challa vows to kill. Rogers tracks Barnes to Bucharest, where they protect him from T'Challa and authorities, but are eventually arrested. Zemo impersonates a psychiatrist to interview Barnes and, trig and recites the trigger words to make him obey, sending him on a rampage. When Barnes regains his senses, he explains that Zemo is the real bomber and is after the location of other brainwashed Winter Soldiers. Captain America is unwilling to wait for authorization and goes rogue with Falcon. They recruit Wanda, Hawkeye and Ant-Man to their cause. But not to be outdone, Tony Stark calls on Black Widow, Black Panther, War Machine, who's also black, Vision and Spider-Man to capture the Renegades. Team Stark intercepts Team Rogers at Leipzig Airport where they battle until Black Widow allows Rogers and Bucky to escape. The rest of Team Rogers is captured, while War Machine is partially paralysed after being shot down by Vision. Stark is shown evidence that Bucky was framed by Zemo and tracks down Rogers and Bucky to offer a truce. The trio were secretly followed by T'Challa as they find the other super soldiers have been killed by Zemo. He then shows them footage that reveals the vehicle Bucky intercepted in 1991, was being driven by Tony Stark's parents, who Barnes also killed. Stark then turns on Rogers and Bucky, leading to an intense fight that ends when Rogers disables Stark's armor and leaves with Barnes, leaving his shield behind. Satisfied that he has avenged his family by breaking up the Avengers, Zemo attempts suicide but is stopped by T'Challa. Rogers also later breaks out his allies from the Raft prison. The end. Or is it because... In the mid-credits scene, <laughs> Bucky is granted asylum in Wakanda and goes back into cryogenic sleep until his brainwashing can be cured 
and Peter Parker explores the new web shooters built for him by Stark. And then it ends, for real. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, one thing I I didn't, I wasn't aware of when I first watched it, because I had not watched Community, is the tight link between Community and the MCU. Because Community, the comedy series, uh, I don't know what it it was shown, but it's written by Dan Harmon, um, who also wrote Rick and Morty, uh, was directed for a period of time by the Russo brothers, Mm-hmm. Um, so when I saw, uh, who is Dean Pelton in community show up in civil war as pretty much cause it felt like a similar character, but, um, I then looked into it and then saw like, obviously you've got like, uh, Donald Glover in Spider-Man, uh, is it homecoming he was in? Yeah. Homecoming. Um, yeah. And then you've got like, there's a bunch of people who are in community who are also in the MCU, the MCU and obviously the Russo brothers directing community and then directing a few of the uh yeah mcu films so just wanted to uh shout that out i figured we just go into the the central theme uh the central conflict of of this piece and the idea of regulating superhero superhero let me try that again regulating superhumans so we saw in the film it basically broke down to team cap and team tony Let's uh, let's divide. See if we're going to divide this this group. Um, so who is Team Cap? No one. <laughs> okay. No, I, I think the the thing is. Uh, well, let me let me let me. Okay, go on, way. Jason. As, as um, a fan of of the MCU, mm-hmm. I, I'm Team Cap. Um, you know, I love Captain America, the the character. I love his portrayal by Chris Evans. Um, you know, I think he's been incredible with, as that character, and he's done things that you know I really didn't think were were possible with that character. You know, when you look at it from a, a comic book perspective, you know, and Team Cap was was like kind of almost cool in the story. They were the rebels. They were the you know the kind of the underdogs. So you kind of rooted for them on that basis. But in reality, I think. You know, the, the the cold hard fact is that there is only one team in, in this kind of scenario. The scenario existed mm. outside of the MCU. It's Team Iron Man. You know, you, you simply cannot have superpowered people <laughs> walking around, going to whatever country they feel like, whenever they feel like, turning <laughs> up and then just saying, okay, we're done now, bye, and then jumping on their plane and off they go. Mm. Like that, that, that you know, there, there is no world where, <laughs> where that could happen or, or that would be acceptable. So, um, you know, there's is it's it's you know team stock really that that's um where you would have to fall down i'm not team cap or team tony oh okay because they're both they're both like completely like they're on different ends of the spectrum spectrum but they're they both need to like meet each other halfway it's like because team tony is 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 the side that it's not really classing them as superhumans, it's classing them as weapons, but they are still human. And then Team Cap is like blinded by his his like want and need to to be righteous and take take that side. Yes, maybe they need someone, uh, they need more like diplomacy. They might be super, but they're still humans, like their weapons. And they're even referred to on like constantly referred to as weapons of mass destruction. No, they're first and foremost humans. 
that's why I'm not Team Tony either. Uh, I think I probably side. It's like they both have points that I like take, and I think there's. And that's the thing; they both they both have valid points. Yeah, and it, and there's this idea that yeah, like, but I don't know, like, because on the other hand, there's like the other there's uh, what's it called? Oh, no, the, like every country sort of has its team that it does just send send in, but this is like a, a team of the outside politics and they just want to keep people safe like humanity safe without all this you know uh, destruction as they try and keep people safe they do but but there's a point that's made as well it's like uh in fact it's spider-man that makes that point it's um if you you have this power and it's you know basis of spider-man's story you stand by and don't do anything to stop things from happening and things happen anyway like it's your fault so like do they cause destruction i don't think they're the cause of it because vision does make that point Mm. that that's the thing you see that that's why i swing away from team cap because you know vision's point is is correct which is you know if you you know, someone's very strength will it always invite challenge. You know, that so is almost, yeah, it's almost human nature. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. there, there is always this desire when, whenever we see, whenever one person emerges and, and displays, you know, some form of power that we're all in awe of, you can almost bet your bottom dollar there's going to be somebody else who's going to rise up and say, well, I challenge you because I, I have the same power as you do and, and, and so on. But that's not the fault of the person with the power. No, but it, it is. Their existence invites it. Is, it. It is a reality of what's going to happen. But and then that makes me question: It's like, do people have to validate their existence because other people like are you? Do you have to uh, like put down your existence because other no, people you, you don't. You don't put down your existence, but you do have to understand, as Spider Man says, that you have a responsibility. To, to kind of do something and, and having that responsibility means also being aware of what potentially could happen if you do do something, you know, and, and this is the... Yeah, but I think to like Vision's point was that like, I mean, Captain uh, Tony Stark's different because he created the suit, but like if you're, you like, I can't even, like, I was going to a point and I was like, Zipped. but um because vision says there's a correlation but if the 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 correlation is the fact that the fact that he exists the fact that the, these superhumans exist is where the concentration comes so it's kind of like a a like situation where it's like well so it's a chicken and egg scenario yeah. isn't it? Yeah. and it's, it's like, like well, which one comes first yeah would the and it, you did. You'd have to stop existing. You'd have to not exist in in your way for them to not challenge you. I I don't think it's the fault of the supers that destruction happens. It might be the consequence of their existence, but it's not their fault. Yeah, but the uh, but then at the same time, what what happens when the things do go wrong? You know, then you do your best to to prevent them, and that's what they do. But Cap in Civil War kind of accepts that that, that is part of the job and it's just something he's, he's going to have to live with. And that's fine for him to say, but 
you then turn around and then say that to Alfre Woodard's character, who is the the woman who confronts Tony Stark after he speaks at MIT. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Son. Son. Can you then turn around to her and say, "Well, sorry, it's part of the job," and and just kind yeah, of yeah, it's part you know, of life. It is. <laughs> just get, uh, get over it. Get over it. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, get over it. <laughs> I took yeah. up a building on top this, of all time. Why are you bringing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, well, like death is part of life, and that is listen. Your son, your son's one of the eggs, man. We've got to break <laughs> eggs to make things happen in this world. It's like <laughs> I like I'm on that because I think I think as humans we have this fear of death but like we it happened like we're gonna die unless you're a superhuman who who uh is immune to death <laughs> like it's gonna happen and whether that's through like whatever that's through and yes there's there's things that we can do to reduce that but if like Wanda accident and she feels remorse she instantly feels remorse and is like oh my god what have I done and that being a human thing to happen but she was current like when she done what she done she was thinking she needs to detain this and prevent it from killing a her friend and b all the people surrounding that so you know and even even Captain takes honors to say that was my fault because I didn't I didn't do something sooner and I should have. Yeah. So we've got like a team Tony or yeah, Team Stark. Um we've got somewhere in the middle. Rich, what do you where do you fall on this? I'm 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 Team Stark, man. Okay. Team Stark. Yeah. Um see the thing is, I think for the like Jason said, for the younger, cooler generation, I'm I'm sure they'd be Team Captain America, but like, hey man middle finger to the man man like you know all that <laughs> stuff like it does like yeah you know you can't take you know like you got the young ones going like i'm not gonna wear a mask i can't catch yeah them, there's no such thing and they're just like okay i'm not saying it doesn't exist i'm just saying maybe you should just be a bit careful because you might get someone killed but you know um mm. yeah so i can see like you know you've got that 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 fire and that, that vitality in the stomach but then at the same time you're just like listen this makes this kind of makes sense like and and i think like i said as you get older you start to get you start to become a lot more um, attentive, you know, that you're, you know, that, that you're, more, that you're, you're not immortal. Like you wake, you're getting older, like it gets to a certain point, you're just like, I need to start making some smart decisions. I can't be doing the whole rebel thing for the rest of my life. So number two um, is the thing that watching this makes me appreciate Avengers Age of Ultron so much more. I like that film anyway. And I know a lot of people in that film, but the thing is, the Avengers Age of Ultron is the first time that you see them come up against an adversary when they become one cohesive unit, but you see them overcome that by work, by generally at that point, you know, working together, like at the end where, you know, when all the Ultron soldiers come and it's like, you know, you can't take us, you know, we're going to make this drop, we're going to cause this destruction, it's all your fault, how are you going to do it? And like Iron Man goes, like, like Cap said, we're going to do it together. That's a family. And you get to Captain America Civil War, and they're just losing. The whole film is just about losing. Nobody wins anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it is it generally is a war from the get-go. Like that like people are just losing constantly. And it and it's just and it's just one of those things where it's just like I, I watch it and I'm just like, wow, like this is like, you know, you've got two sides of, of the war. So you've got one person who's saying, Hey, come be with us. You just need to do the right thing, you know, be proud to be who you are, and you know, this is for the great good. Then you've got another side going like, listen, 
you know, understands what they're trying to say, but you need to think through this logically. In the long run, you know, everybody needs to be dealt with in a specific way. Otherwise, we're going to go down this route. You know it's right. And then you've got Spider-Man in the middle, who's that 16-year-old, naive, young guy. Who just wants to please everyone. He wants to please everyone. You know, he's got, he is our version of Steve Rogers. He was trying to sign up for World War II, where he's just like, I just want to make a difference. And you've got both these sides throwing this propaganda at him. So you've got that kind of side to it. Sorry, I'm like, my mind just really, really <laughs> zooming around. <laughs> and, then on, and, then on, and then the third one is basically, it's really funny that Jason brings up that, you know, when they're sitting around the table and Vision goes, we need to, you know, let this makes sense because, you know, like humans, you know, you know we, we, we're scared of each other. We always want to be the stronger one. When you watch Iron Man, that's what, basically Tony Stark, give or take, gives that speech when he's sending those missiles to the soldiers at the beginning, mm-hmm. where he's like, my daddy always told me, you know, you know that, that whole story about the big stick and all of that yeah. stuff. And, you know, we have to have the bigger stick. So you've got that type of mentality. And once again, Vision has components of his personality from Tony Stark. So it kind of shook like, so as much as you may not want to believe, let's say, Tony Stark, or you may not want to believe Captain America, like, as, as crazy as it sounds, like, you look at the statistics because a computer sitting down telling you that this isn't going to end well so the, the signs are already there as well man so um yeah and i, yeah, I think i was saying loads, loads of points yeah so number four um this is the last point by the way um <laughs> i just like the i like the fact that it's one of those things that you know to, to, in my head tony stark is right but he doesn't believe that he can he can he can't do it without captain america like if captain america is the perfect soldier then you've got tony stark who's like the forward thinker who understands how like, like the depths and how how far war stretches even though captain america is in it like tony stark is making things for this war that you know steve rogers can only imagine and he's like i need you to police to you know to police me mm-hmm. if we if we've got this you know we may be having to liaison with like you know these people but we can trust each other and and, and you know for a fact if if they try to pull out the rug from underneath us we're going to be in a strong enough position to tell them to back off, but I need you to back me. And that, you know, that whole thing of him looking at Steve Rogers is obviously coming off the whole fact of like, you know, Avengers Age Age of Ultron, Mm. where every time you've seen these characters, they keep on butting heads, but they've now, but he's now come to, you know, he's lost that jealousy and anger that he holds towards Cap. And he's like, you're that guy. If I've got you by me, I know I can pull anything off. And it's, yeah, it's it's just sad, man. But yeah, team And I think they'll always have that, like, energy between them because they're kind of like in my head they're they're brothers like they've yeah they've essentially been raised <laughs> like brothers uh mm. in in sort of different times but um yeah and and they've both and and the funny thing is is it's it's like tony's dad that is <laughs> kind of the cause <laughs> of everything oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Who's, the, I feel, who's the puppet creator? This <laughs> is there. He might be bringing some sense to that team, Team Stark uh, argument. Because I, I feel like, like practically speaking, like I understand the the need for that regulation, and you can't just like throw these people out, but uh, throw, like throw these people out in the world and have them do whatever um, with no consequence. Um, but at the same time, because the thing with like captain america like coming off like coming off winter soldier and seeing 
like for their for his arc being that person because Captain America started off as the the guy who followed the rules and that was his mm. you know he was the Boy Scout and then he learned when you have that kind of complete obedience to the people who are giving you the rules what happens when those rules become corrupt for whatever reason and he says that and for me the thing that makes me want to just jump on team team cap is them um, when he said like you know it takes away our choice yeah so like mm. what if something happens and we're we're taking away that choice uh, and then it kind of like reinforced it for me when he was at uh the the funeral i've forgotten the niece's Peggy. name and sharon i guess he was quoting peggy anyway but um she she gives that thing about you know if you're if if you have that conviction it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree yeah. and just say like you know i'm not moving you move uh, and that got me i'm like yeah i'm because that was a moment that like um so steve rogers was like yeah no actually i'm I'm doing this and that was the moment i was like yeah you go and do it so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 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 back in team cap <laughs> just just off that yeah um <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think what i like about it is that there are valid arguments in both and both kind of yeah come from their like if you look at the mcu as a whole come from their character arcs and they're they're making that it's almost like they're making that crossover in their respective arcs from uh from tony who is the you know just me <laughs> my way is the only mm. way i care about and um, Captain America being like, you know, you know, for the country and then we follow the rules. And they start to bring in that gray area. And like, this is the film that where they always like cross paths on their respective arcs. Uh, and I quite mm. like that representation. And I also felt that like, really, can you even control these people anyway? Because, you know, like the, the bit where like uh, Steve and Bucky and uh, T'Challa, when they were arrested, I don't. They could have just left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <they could've> just, <laughs> that was like, like that was like game. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, um, you can't even control these people anyway. But um, one thing I did want to kind of uh, get to is like part of the reason I like having uh, you guys on is that uh, I can ask you the question about the the comic book influences uh, and sit back and just like listen and take notes. So. What I'm interested in is like if you're aware of like what stories does this film make use of and um where do those changes occur? Like what difference between this and a comic book um inspiration? Um yeah, I mean it it borrows quite heavily from uh the Civil War uh story arc. Well, well it doesn't borrow heavily actually, I would say it, in in many ways it just kind of borrows the name. Um, because the the actual Civil War comic book arc is 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 quite different to the story that we ultimately got in the movie, um, but essentially it's based on on that comic book arc called Civil War by Mark Millar, um, and the main kind of principle or driver of of the comic book story is is more or less the same um, as the movie, although slightly different. But I'll let Richard. Um, our resident comic book guru tell you more about the, <laughs> yeah. the details of the story. Um, well, I mean, we can we can both do it because I know you I know you've you've got some favourites in that story. Mm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but like Jason said, I mean, it's one of those things where I've spoken to people that don't like the film, and it's because it's not a direct you know version of 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 the storyline of the comic book. Um, but then like Jason said, it's like the the film takes the well, it, it takes the fundamentals of the comic book which once again shows you how good the story writing is it's because it's like okay we don't need to have 
this grandiose thing here and there. But as long as we get the story, the story across like neatly, then we're doing good. And and it does it really, really well. So it still kind of focuses on the whole superhuman registration act in the comic book. It's um, it's basically when uh, a, a team a team called uh, um, the New Warriors, basically a new version of the New Warriors, they try to stop a, a villain called Nitro. But they're, while doing you know doing these superhero exploits, they're being filmed for like reality TV, um, and live on air. Basically, the mission goes wrong, and they kill some innocents, which includes like a, a primary school, and that's what brings in the superhuman um, registration comic book. So it's still the same thing, like you know what you get in the film is just that is based differently, whereas like you know it's Lagos, but it still shows you the effects of what happens in regards to the questions that that we've been asking, like you know what happens if somebody gets killed by accident? What if somebody decides to go bad? Um, okay, what if we do sign this? You know, like who's gonna con- who's gonna who's gonna watch over us? But okay, the people watching over us, who who's gonna watch them? So we're still that carries those you know, philosophical questions, so to speak, throughout, you know, throughout the film and, and does it in such a way where I enjoyed it because, you know, I, you know, I, even though I knew what it was about, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically still the same thing. I mean, there are, they've, there's some direct scenes from the comic book, which are then the own version in the film, which, which work really well. Um, I know, Jay, this is where I'm going to pass over to you for a second, Jason, because I know there's one bit where Captain America sternly tells off a soldier um for trying to stop him oh gosh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course yeah oh yeah so they i can't even remember the, the the full line now off the top of my head but uh, doesn't he say something along the lines of son uh, you really don't want to do that or, yeah. or something like yeah, that like, basically I can't, I can't even remember. Yeah. Like that. so this is um, in the comic this, Sorry, this, yeah, this, this is, is in, in, this is in, in the, the comic book. book. Okay, yeah, but but they have their own version of it in the in the what's it called in in the in the movie, uh, but it's more of like showing you what Captain America is able to do when he's like, I've really had enough of this nonsense. I'm really going to start pulling out the stops. So in the comic book, he after he has this discussion in regards to signing the superhuman hero, um, superhuman registration, he decides he's not going to sign it, and they bust into the room and they're going to stop him. And he basically oh, yeah. jumps out of a he jumps out of a window. There's like like this is how dangerous Captain America is. They've got the <laughs> army waiting for him already. So he escapes all the soldiers um in, in the room in the office and all that stuff, beats them without beating them, if you know what I mean, then jumps out of a window, lands on the front of a plane, and sternly tells the pilot, Listen, Jim, um, or listen, Sonny, like this isn't a good idea for you, or like something like I've had a really <laughs> bad day, you really need to behave yourself. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, and, and like, and deals with him accordingly. But it reminds me of that scene in Civil War, the movie, where he's in a lift and he's just like, "Listen, man, like, if any of you guys want to get out the lift, I'm giving you yeah. an option, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know." And then he proceeds to spank him. And then there's the bit where Frank Grillo goes like, "Oh, cat, this isn't personal," and he's just like, "Looks personal to me." Like anybody would be effing and blinded. And then on top of that, when other soldiers come, and then he just jumps out of the elevator and lands on his shield. And yeah, I remember yeah. literally sitting in the cinema and myself and everybody who was sitting in the cinema just went, raw. <laughs> like, and, then, and, then, and then Agent Sitwell, remember Agent Sitwell watches it on the screen and he's just like, I just jumped out of the elevator. <laughs> I, do, I do love like Captain's like such solid kind of conviction of his morals and like where he stands. Yeah. Even when he's, um, when he's like getting Bucky and then... <laughs> 
<laughs> like Bucky, he catches a guy that Bucky's like just thrown off the stairwell after yeah. Bucky's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to hurt on. anyone. And Captain's yeah. like, <laughs> like tuts at him. And I'm just like, and everything he does is like just to, just enough harm to stop them from coming after them, but not too much harm. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's still he's still that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's even as he's going into that gray yeah. area, he's still you know let's still keep this civil <laughs> and everything. Yeah, there's actually a really great. Uh, scene that that kind of riffs on that a little bit from the comic books although the 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 civil war comic book story is a lot darker than civil war the movie um Mm. the the comic book has a a lot more violence a lot more kind of dramatic tension and, and things like that um and it's, I suppose, unsurprising given, you know, some of the characters that are involved in it. Um, in particular, there, there is a, a part within the Civil War story arc where once Captain America has refused to sign the Superhuman Registration Act and has, has decided that he's going to lead this kind of underground team of, uh, of Avengers, um, of uh, heroes who are loyal to him and, and also don't agree with, with signing the act. Um, they become almost kind of these underground heroes. And uh, at a certain point, um, the government, which is under the control of uh, Norman Osborn at, at this point, the, the Spider-Man villain Norman Osborn, um, authorizes releasing a, a load of uh, supervillains to go and hunt down these underground heroes. And uh, the Punisher finds out that, that this is happening and decides that um, he's going to take things into his own hands because he, you know, agrees with, with Captain America and he looks up to Captain America as a character. But the Punisher being the Punisher has decided that he's going to deal with this the Punisher way, which is mainly murder a bunch of, <laughs> of, of supervillains, which is exactly what he does, um, particularly because these supervillains at a certain point had, had captured Spider-Man and, and were beating him up pretty badly. So Punisher brings you know, the Spider-Man in who's been badly injured to the, the secret hideout. And he says, you know, I, I, I followed these supervillains that were going to try and kill Spider-Man and, and so on. So Cap kind of says to him, you know, so how did you deal with this situation? And he's like, well, what do you mean? How did I deal with it? I deal with it like I always dealt with it. I, you know, <laughs> I took care of the problem. I, I, I punished yeah. And, the Punisher. <laughs> yeah, and Captain America to, then proceeds to kick punisher all over the shop and it's like what oh, the wow. hell are you doing <laughs> not what we stand for and and things like that and it, again it just kind of shows you you know much to in the way that that scene you described tazzy from the movie shows you it, it shows you how wedded to his principles captain america is to the point that he doesn't even realize that the kind of situation he's in you know punisher is, is a nut job but he read the terrain and he realized this is a guerrilla war and if we're going to fight a guerrilla war we've got to fight with guerrilla war tactics and we've got to be brutal whereas captain america is still kind of holding on to his ideals of no we don't do this and, and da, 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 you know and, and it it shows you kind of the flaw in, in captain america's thinking that he did he couldn't see what was going on around him mm-hmm. um, I think certainly, and certainly that, flawed you know, in this. yeah yeah and you know that that's how it, it kind of almost plays out in the movie in, in a way, not as, as, as dramatically as, as that. But, um, you know, you get that kind of subtle shift in the movie where you realise, wow, Cap doesn't really doesn't realise what's going on around <laughs> here, does he? He doesn't realise it, or he does realise it, but he's so wedded to his principles that he's just going to ignore it and carry on following principles. So, um, yeah, that, that's uh, kind of just to wrap up the, the comic book. So, so in, in regards to that, just can I just add to that bit that Jason's talking about? The thing that's really good 
about this storyline as well is that it, it tells quite a few stories from other people's perspectives. But that bit that Jason's talking about when the Punisher's getting beaten by Captain America, there's a bit where Punisher's trying to talk and, he's, and he basically finds out that he's saying, I just wanted to be like you. I just wanted to be like you. And you find out that one of the reasons why, you know, like Frank Castle even joined the war in the first place is because of, the, you know, Captain America was his hero. Like, he, like, as crazy as it sounds, like, you know, the Punisher is just whack nut job who just goes around, you know, he's like, he's a vigilante onto his own. But his hero is Captain America. You know, blonde head, blue eyed, square jaw, <laughs> white teeth, you know, Mr. Apple Pie, Captain America. But like I said, once again, it shows that whole thing of like, Cap doesn't understand the ramifications of what he's able to do in the long run. Like, like it's, I don't know, but yeah, but it's just those little, those, those little, little bits and pieces where I'm just like, it just reminds me how good the story is. No, it's good to hear like the the comic influences because what I like about adaptations, and I think we've said it on some episode of the show before, is like this idea of you can adapt it for a different medium. It doesn't mean you need to be like one for one just because of the you know the the differences in the mediums. Also, it gives you like leeway to to make changes that serve the story you're trying to tell now, and not just trying to exactly recreate the the story that you've you've borrowed from from like from the comics in this case so i always appreciate it when like creators sort of use creative license <laughs> basically to make a good story in this case film making a film so make a good two or two and a half hours is a long film yeah. um <laughs> in this case and not try and stick to what comic fans would expect because that's what they've read and that's what i like and that's what i want to see we're just taking that inspiration and then making a film that fits within what we're trying to do in this uh, in this saga, in this Infinity Saga um, for this stage. So, yeah, I like hearing about sort of the differences and, and where they've made sort of um, good changes as needed. One of the things I definitely wanted to uh, touch on because Civil War introduces uh, a couple of new characters. We mentioned Spider-Man, uh, obviously Black Panther uh, is one of them. And sort of watching this since the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman, when he had his introduction, it's kind of like it just yeah hit me a little bit. It's like oh wow, I cried. it's like it's, it's mm. a weird moment, and it it's, and it's weird because of the the scene he's introduced where his his father is 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 blown up and he's dying. And he's kind of holding his father, and you kind of know like oh wow, actually, and he's <laughs> he's the one that's not here anymore. So it's a, it's a weird kind of moment. I don't know how how you guys felt. Uh, you, what you, you said you cried, Tessie. Yeah, like. It just hit me like, and he's he plays um, T'Challa so so well and like so strongly. Like there's and so much well. in that character. It's so embodied. It's one of the most like like present characters on that appears on screen in Civil War, and like doesn't have that much screen time. And just yeah, like just wow. And I it just dawned on me. I was like we're never going to get a new performance um, from from Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, it was like, wow, just... And, and this was like the introduction of, of someone. Oh, just, yeah, it really like, just hit me and it dawned on me, that kind of loss. Which I'm not someone that normally gets taken out of the reality of the thing I'm watching. Rarely happens. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a big moment. Um, what did you guys feel, um, Rich or Jason? Yeah, I think I think it, it left me um, 
um, quite sad as well. I mean, uh, again, um, you know, before I, I, I kind of go into that, it, it, um, I got to give shout outs to the, the writers of this movie, um, Christopher Marcus and, and Stephen McFeely. They, they, they're just how on earth they managed to tell not one, but two origin stories in a movie that is ostensibly about Captain America yeah. and not take you out of the story of Captain America and, and not take you away from his journey yet completely introduce these two characters and tell you their, their, their origin stories in a satisfying way that that basically cuts out all the fluff and just gets to the, the meat of who the actors said, are. I think, I think that's they did it by not doing an origin story <laughs> they, they just like had the characters and the both like Black Panther and Spider-Man they came into the story where the story needed mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. to set not to not to retrace the steps of you know how did Spider-Man come become Spider-Man how did uh, T'Challa become well he's, he's not king at that point but you know where does he come from it just skipped all that just these are the characters especially spider-man we all know we've Everyone seen that knows before. Spider-Man. <laughs> exactly mm. so they've just brought them in where they're needed for yeah. this story that they're telling and not try and add in that fluff of like oh we need to explain how they got their powers and all that stuff because mm. even mm. with um with t'challa you see so we see him at the at the un when mm. they're signing the accords and then when Bucky uh, is triggered and he goes on his rampage, you kind of see him taking uh, taking on different people. And T'Challa comes up, and if you didn't know, you didn't know you didn't know the character by then. You're not sure what he's capable of, but you see him without his suit, he's just a guy, and he's like going toe to toe with with um, with Bucky. Like, oh, okay, all right. So he's got there's something. He must be some kind of super soldier like Captain yeah. America. So I like they just introduced it through the story, through the conflict. And not with like exposition that we have to tell you all these characters. So. I think for me, yeah. well, you know what is um sorry, Tazzy, you know what what is clever about that as well is is remember before you actually get to that scene that you're talking about, there's actually the chasing where where Bucky is trying to escape. Oh, of course, from yeah. the the German police who've come to arrest him, and then Black Panther starts chasing him, and it's only at the end of that sequence, that entire sequence, that you're, you you it's revealed that the black panther is t'challa so then you're like oh okay so that would explain why he can then go toe-to-toe with the winter soldier when he has no suit or anything else on because you've already seen what he can do before then and then even in the car ride along you know um when they go into the the facility where bucky is being held before his rampage and they're in the car captain america and and falcon and and black panther and falcon says you know so what is it do you like cats (laughs) and then get that very very short sharp and important piece of speech from t'challa where he basically says this is who i am i'm the brat pan for his passed down from generation to generation i'm a badass and you can't stop me from getting your friend and, and that's basically <laughs> a couple of lines they've essentially summed up the entire character so you know who they are you know what they can do you know what they're about what they you know want. and what they want and again you know it, it, it just is one of many, many, many examples from this film I could pull out of, of brilliant pieces of writing that explain these characters so perfectly. So, um, yeah, you know, I thought that was worth mentioning. But sorry, go on. Yeah, I think for me, and whether it's done on purpose or it's just like coincidence, but it just adds to that like superhumans being human part um, because it's a very human introduction, a very natural introduction to characters because you know when you meet people in real life you don't suddenly get like their whole exposition and backstory (laughs) do you Mm. (laughs) you get these little snippets of them and uh, that eventually 
you know, boil down to you getting to know them more personally. And I feel like that's how we're introduced to characters in this. It's like, oh, yeah, um, this is so-and-so. They're about this. <laughs> and yeah, and then you just add little bits of personality on top of that rather than just being like, and here is their entire life story. <laughs> And you kind of watch it unfold and you're just like learning snippets. Um, and then yeah. just leads perfectly onto to the Black Panther movie. Exactly, because then right. everyone was hyped for that. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, I remember I being so hyped. For yeah, yeah. Like, like so... oh my God, <laughs> So, so ready. I had that countdown, like, when are we seeing more of this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i, I want to get on to the uh like talk more about some of the themes in the story but just uh for, on the black panther point because obviously having seen the black panther uh standalone film and just wanting more of that and now you know obviously the the tragedy of uh chadwick Boseman passing because i think just in case anyone doesn't know he, obviously he he died at uh was you know relatively young age but then even I mean, I didn't know that he had, um, I forget which cancer. Colon. Uh, colon cancer, colon cancer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and he had it for so long. And you kind of look back and you go, like, what he was able to do without necessarily telling the world that he has this. He just carried on mm. with his his life and he, he sort of made the most of it. And I think that particularly for me at the time of like, hearing the news and then hearing what he was going through and how he dealt with it. Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's not like complaining or like kind of what was me, just got on with it. And uh, I think that's, that's amazing what he was able to do with, with the time he had. It's just a shame that, yeah, we're not going to see more. I don't know. And, you know, it's almost a shame that to have to think about then the sort of the business side of it was what does Marvel do with Black Panther 2 and mcu uh i think i i saw something saying they're, they're not gonna like recast or at least you know not uh now so i, I guess that I, I don't know <laughs> i don't know but it's just a uh i guess something someone has to consider somewhere i really think it would be like an absolute travesty if they don't make a black panther too i feel like yeah you can never replace chadwick boseman but also like he left so much legacy there it it was so impactful and to just i feel like it it's a waste of all the hard work and amazing performance that went into that and to to not make a black panther too i feel like it's mm. i feel like it has the opposite effect by not doing it i feel like it it's disrespectful by not doing a second one because I feel like that he put so much into that performance. And when you hear, when you like read about how he was on set and with all of that, I'm like, this is, you have to, you continue, have to continue. This isn't a, no way. Like, you've got a Black Panther. Black, the Black Panther doesn't die when whoever's being Black Panther died, right? Black Panther lives on through generations. Yeah, yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, in, in the story. Yeah, yeah it, and it, I think, like, I think by not having a Black Panther 2, you, you you lose the message Black Panther itself leaves, and I feel like you lose the legacy that, that Chadwick Boseman left. I feel like you just lose so much. And there's so much meaning behind that film. There's so much meaning yeah. in that story. There's so much, there's just so much in that story. And I think to stop it, it's like you're just, what message does that leave? Yeah, I, 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 
I mean, the, the the simple fact is that they're they're not going to stop. Black no, as, like I said, business. Made one point seven billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. There is no way they're leaving that money on the table. So, if Black Panther will be back, in what form it will be back? That's the question. Know. I think they are doing the right thing at the moment by saying, you know, you know what, we need to take yeah. our time and decide what how we we handle this situation because, you know. It, it's not unprecedented, but in some ways it is unprecedented because, as you said, Tazi, this is, in many ways, for many people, this is more than just a movie. It's about a, a culture that is created. It's about a legacy that is left behind. And, you know, Chadwick Boseman's legacy is is tremendous on, on the film industry. You know, there's so many things that he's done. I, I was reading about how he campaigned for um, Sienna Miller to get paid more money on 21 Bridges. Mm-hmm was horrible yeah, and well. found out how little she was being paid so um and he did that and he managed to secure her a, a better payday you know and, and there's loads of other stories like that that are around him from the people who've worked with him who say you know he, he was a a guy who left a, a positive impact on everything he did so yeah you know i i think you know there's no way it's said that they're, they're not gonna do another black panther it's just gonna have no. to be a thing of well, well, we'll just have to be patient and wait because, you know, people are still grieving Definitely. and, you know, feelings are still raw and, you know, all of that kind of has to be taken into consideration. And, and they said that, you know, they they need to work out what they're, they're going to do with the character and, and how they're going to mm-hmm. do it. And, uh, you know, all the fans are, are understanding of, of that, that, you know, these things uh, take time. Um, you know, this is a sensitive situation and, they, you know, we, we've just got to have faith and, and, and trust that, that they will make the right calls. Like, it has to be, it has to be amazing. Because I, I, I was going to say that basically, like, I mean, by everything he did outside, just just being the superhero that was Chadwick, mm. right? Like, mm. technically, like, the, the character of Black Panther, because I, I remember, like, seeing some people who didn't really understand, like, oh, it's, you know, it's, they could just replace it. I'm just like, nah, you know what? This is the equivalent of, like, every time they cast a new James Bond or they cast a new Doctor Who. That's newspaper-worthy story. It's a newspaper-worthy mm. story. So yeah. in regards to casting him again, like you said, as, as crazy as it sounds due to all the grieving and everything, like, it has to be done. But here's a question for you. Like, how long is too long? And how, I mean, like, you know, to, to your minds, like, as, as much as they're saying they're not going to do like a CGI version of him, which I think is, is is amazing like you know but then who would who would replace him who could replace him because like i said when you look at the people that played james bond or they played like doctor who they're people that bring a certain amount of themselves to that character so when that person leaves that person is still considered doctor who or still considered james bond like you like that's and chadwick did that on his ones on his first performance of this character so like it's it's almost like as much as I, as I want this Black Panther two to come like I'd rather see it sooner than later. I'm scared because as as easy as it is to continue this legacy, it's so easy to mess up mm-hmm. as well. That is true. So it's kind of yeah. Who do they? Some young you know, unfound I, I, talent. Because I feel like that yeah. that's the best thing to follow is like. My yeah, first thought yeah, actually definitely. was um uh John David, John David was yeah yeah because I, I saw that and I was like <laughs> yeah that kind of fits. Mm. I could I could see that, but maybe it is like a, some unknown. It's yeah, it's big shoes to fill, man. Because not just yeah, the the character, the actor, but then just what it now means, mm-hmm. like for 
uh, for people. It, it's yeah, it's, it's tough. And I think the in a in a weird way, the uh, the whole pandemic sort of forcing Marvel to push back plans is in that you know very niche <laughs> uh, view has has might prove to their benefit in in this case to allow them to that time to think about okay how do we how do we play this how do we play this going forward so it gives them time like you say um uh jason just it, yeah just take their time so it allows that but yeah i don't, I don't know what the answer is <laughs> uh, know, it's just, uh, just a, a challenge yeah listen there's 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 people at marvel studios who are paid a lot more money yes. than us who, who don't know what to do with this situation so there's no way we can solve it because because if listen, they can't you, you solve want, it then i bet you, i yeah. bet you something funny though there's people who are getting paid at marvel to deal with this particular situation I bet they can't sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guarantee they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Pure IBS. I guarantee they Pure can't. IBS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've done enough so, work for Marvel on this podcast, anyway. Yeah, I know. We have given Marvel yeah. a lot of like good, good tips on the show. So, Marvel, if you're not watching yet or listening yet, like you really, really should be because you know we're doing the work. Really. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure we um, we did like. Uh, yeah, just make sure we, we show some appreciation to uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance. Um, I like I said, I did want to uh, go back to some of the themes in in the film because I'm always interested in uh, in the in the themes the story um, tries to portray. And in in here, we have you know we spoke about sort of the should superheroes be regulated and which sides, but it kind of goes down to particularly with with Captain America, this idea of good versus right and in the overarching idea of liberty versus security. So you have the idea of um, you know, the, the, having the security of knowing where these superheroes are and that we, you know, quote unquote, control them and we can uh, use them to our, to our ends. But then you lose that, that liberty. And I felt only good versus right. Um, I, I was, as I was putting these notes together, I, I saw that, that phrase and it kind of that kind of struck me is like what is good versus right isn't always the uh yeah isn't always the same thing but the one that i i wanted to throw to you to you guys is this idea of friendship and has he mentioned it and i feel i didn't really think about it too much when on first watch but just watching it back for the second time and just seeing the lengths that steve goes to to essentially to protect his friend and I'm, I'm, even though I'm, uh, I've already stated my allegiance to uh, Team Cap, I do question some of the leadership decisions <laughs> um, when he goes to some of the places he goes. So you have in the in the film like the point where Steve talks about Bucky and says like he's my friend, uh, and and Tony replies with so was I, and this idea of yeah these these friends being broken apart or friendship sort of being the cause of like some of Steve's blindness. So like Tazzy, how did how did that? make you feel as, as you were watching it and the lengths that like particularly Steve goes through um for his friend I think it's complicated in this because Bucky has been brainwashed <laughs> like he has a trigger word within it and, and he's not himself mm. and Steve might be blinded by his friendship but he also was right he like he went through great lengths to protect his friend and I feel like when Tony did say, like, so was I, I was like, people can be friends with more than one person. Like, <laughs> I always, it always bugs me about, about people that it's always like, if you're friends with them, you can't be friends with me. Da, da, da. Um, and it's kind of like an idea of like, well, maybe you should help your friend help their friend 
if something's wrong. Yeah, and like, yeah. I feel like both of them are so blind. They're so blinded. Like Tony's blinded by the fact he feels his friend is betraying him and like going against him. Uh, and then Steve is blinded by his friendship and an old friendship that, you know, he's kind of not taking a step back and, and looking at it a bit subjectively and just, you know, taking some more time around it. And this is why I'm like so in the middle, because I feel like everyone just needs to communicate a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and like talk it out. Come on, like just try and look at each other's side here uh, and meet in a in a middle ground. Because Steve's blindness ultimately led to uh, them discovering the truth. And I feel yeah. like if they'd just like spent a more, bit more time talking and communicating, uh, they would have got to that truth with less collateral damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, that is usually the the answer. <laughs> it's just and yeah, but, but it's kind of like why this this film is so human because in reality, people really struggle to to communicate when it comes to strong feelings and when someone you care about is is in trouble and has the world against them and really needs you as a friend. And at the, in the same vein, you know, like Tony's just trying to do do what's right for for everyone. And yeah, it's just that it's, it's friendship is hard. It is hard, <laughs> and like communication is is key. And it can, it can be, be be really difficult. Um, and I think it makes this this connection so human and so like relatable. Um, just without like the whole super. Uh, and like maybe consequences a little smaller, <laughs> but kind of comes with the territory of being super. But yeah, that's what makes this film because they really like, like we said, they had the the spectacle and they had the moments, the set pieces and everything. But when it got down to it, they they made this personal and it made it meaningful, and that you you cared what was happening to these characters. And in a way, the the villain, like I guess he's the villain Zemo, almost. I mean, he caused sort of everything else was planned but it, it was less about sort of the big villain and more about these like you say these humans and having <laughs> this uh this conflict that just ends up uh uh you know uh, becoming a, a massive thing but it's so meaningful at the end when they have that that fight at the mm. end it's 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 tony and it's steve we know these characters it's, it, this is the 13th film by then so we've seen what they've what they've been through and it's meaningful to see them fight you know to not quite to the death but they're not holding mm -hmm. back and that really like for me what made this film like so good was it was them uh sort of the, the writers and, and uh, directors just making that step of let's make people care <laughs> about what happens at the end of this film um so yeah i actually wanted to talk a more about the the consequences but i'm gonna come to that when we do the story tip so what i want to uh, ask people as we wrap up this section is uh, does anyone have any favorite bits? I always like asking favorites or memorable moments throughout the films or character character moments. I mean, if for me, there, there's just too many to list. Yeah. So we, we'd be here all night because, as I said, I do adore this film um, from start to finish. So there's there's just so many. I mean, everything from you know how the movie begins and and the action sequence that he uses to 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 begin with and and how that's staged and how it's played out and how it reintroduces us to characters we know but reaffirms kind of the things that we know about them to you know the introduction of other characters you know we we um we even get to see 
Ant-Man interacting with with other characters <laughs> for the first time, and and there's a load of you know kind of comedic elements around that and spectacle around that. You know, the first introduction of Spider-Man into the MCU and how brilliantly that's handled. Black Panther and how that's been handled. Black Widow. You know, we've we've not even talked about Black Widow yeah. and how brilliantly her her character is portrayed throughout this film um and how out of everybody she seems to be the only person who's capable of reading the room and seeing what's yeah, going on <laughs> in the bigger picture and is warning both sides at different points in the film listen you don't necessarily want to back yourself into a corner because if you do this is what the consequences could be and she gets and, stick for you know, it as well yeah, people just basically ignore her. And, and then at the end, she's like, well, yeah. I told you, like, I told you this is what was going to happen. Like, you know, why were you not she's listening to me? She's the one trying to make the point that I make. Communicate. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, talk it out. But, um, you know, they, they, the, the characters are um, certainly the two chief kind of drivers of the story are, um, you know, are far too gone by by that point. Um, but, you know, I, I was glad you brought up Zemo as well, because Zemo is um, essentially he's just a plot device in, in this story. But it's done in a very clever way to, again, remind you that this character is human by introducing, you know, the element of the family and, and um, giving him that kind of monologue at, at the end or the conversation that he has at the end of the film with, with Black Panther um, to remind you that, you know, he is a human being and he is a man and he did come from somewhere. He had a family, he had a job, he had, you know, various different things. And now all of that is gone. Yeah, so I said, there's just too many. I'll keep it simple. The airport fight, I love the airport fight. Yeah. I watch the airport fight day in, day out. So yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, How about you, Rich? Is there any like, kind of moments that stood out? I think the airport scene is, is definitely like one of the main highlights. All right, you know what it is? I, I'm going to go for like a more quieter, subtle moment. Is the bit where Tony Stark leaves the raft after talking to all of the, the, you oh, know, all of the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> But then is and and it's just that small moment when he gets into the helicopter or he, like and then and he's and he's rubbing his left arm and it just reminds me of like Tony Stark from Iron Man what, what it just reminds me of Tony Stark from Iron Man one to Tony Stark at this point at Tony Stark at this point he just wants things to be easy like he, he's <laughs> like even though he's not a soldier in this war you can see that he's starting to he's he's starting to get beaten down like he's he's, he's holding his left arm. At the beginning of the film, when they're having the, the, the conversations, he's talking about checking his pulse, and he's like, you know, I feel like I'm having a stroke. My left side is hurting. We've already seen him come off the whole thing of, like, having PSTD in Iron Man 3, which is caused by Avengers 1. But it's just that bit where he sits in a helicopter, and he realises, and he's like, you know what? Work he said, Taz, about communication. He's like, I need to go and talk to Cap. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 I've made a mistake. I've made a mistake. But it goes off that the friendship that... Captain America has made Tony Stark a better man because the Tony Stark we know would never admit to that, especially something of that grandiose, grandiose scale. But yeah. he's in that helicopter and he just and you just see him have that little moment of thinking and just like, okay, I've got to go do the right thing. Then he puts the suit on and he flies off. And that that's that's the bit that always sticks out to me because it's like, you know what? We don't need to fight. I absolutely just love love the relationship between Steve and Tony. Just like every mm. every on screen moment from beginning to like, I've just always loved their relationship because it's because they change each yeah, other. Yeah, and they're so like they're such a strong pair of like they mm. they kind of like need each other. They've both both kind of been damaged by the same same things. 
Tony yeah. Stark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 they they lean on each other in a way that like might not be apparent to other people, and that like bickering. Because uh, I'm someone that can like conflict can really help me get through something. I'd rather like argue it out. That's my way of communicating than sit there and be like, oh, very polite. I just want to get it all out there. Um, and they kind of do that, which is probably why I really enjoy their relationship. But favorite parts, oh my God, it's just such a good movie. And, you know, the airport scene, Marvel do this really great thing with assembling uh, <laughs> characters uh, and it works so well. And just that whole, like, just just the point from when they sort of start to collect their team together. There's like one bit where Tony asks um, Black Widow, like, who's who's your who's your who's your or who's your idea i think it is who's your idea and uh it's like downstairs <laughs> and then like when everyone meets and it's just just every moment where a new character is introduced like ant-man's constant like no one knows who he is what is he referred to as <laughs> tic-tac or something <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what Falcon calls him. Yeah, and there was even a moment at the end when he's in the raft and Tony's like, "Who are you again?" Yeah, and he's like, "Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> like, and there's constant. Oh, it's just so funny. I just love, I love everything. I love all the just the little bits. I think it's one of the yeah. things I just love about Marvel film. It's like all these little little nuggets of jokes or like little Easter eggs or whatever. There's always just these little things that they're just scattered mm. across. It's really well done. Like, it's really well done. And I, I think, you know, not to say, like, this should be an Oscar film and, and all that, but just as a, as a film, as a film you can go and enjoy, I just think they've done such a, a great job with this film in particular and sort of MCU as a whole. I think for me, like, every, basically yeah, everything you, you guys have said, uh, I agree with. There was a moment on that maybe meant more to me on, on second uh, viewing because I've got this thing, like, this year, just seeing uh i think we spoke about before recording just like where we are in the world and for me just seeing like a a lack of empathy in too many places and the the bit at the end where zemo was gonna uh kill himself after he sort of completed his mission but t'challa was there to you know once he found out this is oh this is the guy that killed it wasn't bucky it was this guy and t'challa sort of entering with this vengeance or at least after his father was killed he's like you know vengeance that's why i want to want to get the guy and then arriving to the point having seen what has happened with, with steve and tony seeing what's happened with uh with zemo and just saying you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna stop this here <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be consumed by what has consumed you and what has consumed uh other people and just being sort of big enough to just i'm gonna stop it and i'm gonna so stop you from killing yourself i mean yeah he arrests him and then still you know the the law is law but um yeah just having that presence to just like i'm gonna put aside my anger and my vengeance mm. uh yeah i just feel like if more people could do that maybe we would be uh in a better space um so yeah that is our deep i feel we could have gone on for ages uh, about that but you know that is what we think uh feel free to send us your feedback uh particularly let us know if you are team cap or team stark um, and why and we're now going to go from that to our storytelling tip for this episode i sort of i teased it at the beginning i was going to mention wonder woman just because uh, i remember the last time we were on talks were here we just talked about wonder woman 
and we were particularly disappointed in uh, the third act um and how it undercut the the interesting premise that had been set up uh in the film um and it did or it ended up doing what a lot of um superhero films even some marvel ones uh do is end in a cgi battle um sort of hero versus hero or hero versus villain and uh, i feel like for for comic book movies like even for comic book movies the third act isn't just about sort of bigger and better you're still telling a story and it's still always about uh, a satisfying resolution that's the purpose of the third act or in the case of infinity war um setting up a year-long wait for a resolution but we'll give that uh, a pass because it was actually worth the wait uh, so in general you want to resolve your story in line with the themes that you've established early on and also play out the consequences of any actions taken throughout the film so the problem that I had with Wonder Woman is that it set up what I thought was quite a, a very interesting premise and it seemed to be on its way to forcing um, the main uh, protagonist, Diana, to completely reassess her worldview by showing her that man is inherently willing to wage war, even without the influence of the god of war, Ares. But by the time it got to its third act, it essentially just threw it all out and said, actually, she was right all along. So was, for me, there was nothing complex or meaningful or interesting, just lots of CGI. Um, so it was a disappointment. But Civil War, uh, what I really liked, one of the many things I liked about this film, it doesn't get caught in the trap of just descending into a final act, which is just a battle of superhero versus superhero for the fate of the world. It's actually the opposite. And for me, this film gets better in the third act because it goes small and personal and not big and meaningless. And the way I, I know they, they must have thought about this is they actually moved the big battle to the second act. So it gave the people what they want in terms of a spectacle and seeing that great airport scene. But it then went into the third act and delivered from a storytelling perspective on the relationship and conflicts that had been set up in the first two acts. So something to think about as you're developing your stories is that the third act can really make or break your story. So here are just some a few things to think about when it comes to writing yours. So number one is to remember your themes. So most of Civil War is about the Sokovia Accords with Captain America and Iron Man falling on either side of the debate. And the third act takes their conflict to a whole new level while still showing them at the most extreme opposites of the size they have taken um, in the film. Which brings us to number two is make it personal. So it can be hard to wrap our heads around save the world um, stakes, uh, which you see a lot of the time in superhero films. But the problem is deep down, we as viewers in this case, we know the world isn't going to end. That's not a, a real thing uh, that happened. So it kind of on a maybe very, very subconscious level, we know this isn't going to happen. But one friend keeping a dark secret from another friend to protect yet another friend, we get that that's human like we've we've been through that uh, kind of thing i don't think i've been through that kind of situation but um just on a general uh general thing we kind of understand what that's about so as you develop your third act always look for ways you can make your story relatable to the audience to other humans regardless of the setting and number three make use of reversals so the third act here is a good place to use the element of surprise or otherwise reverse expectations that make you think twice as what um, about what has come before. 
So this made Wonder Woman so frustrating in that when she gets to that point, the reversal that they gave us wasn't actually that interesting. The interesting reversal would have been, as I'd said, um, that Diana has to reassess her views, but it didn't do that. So here we find out that not only did Bucky kill Tony's parents, but, and the key things that Steve knew about it and hid it, and that's what made that bit so meaningful. So we're gripped to find out what the consequences of that are, and we're still invested even after more than two hours of this film. So those are three things to keep in mind. Uh, let us know what tips um, sort of come to your mind as you're writing your third act. Uh, as always, you can send us your feedback to feedback at mymatter.com. Let's find out what our guests are up to. So this is the part where we find out the latest from our guests and more details on what uh, news or interesting projects they have coming up. So I don't know which one of you wants to... Oh, this this is Jason's forte. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's spokesperson. Uh, so Jason, any any big news, any or little news is fine as well, or any projects that you you want our audience to to know about? Uh, well, in a word, no, <laughs> because there hasn't really been a lot uh, that's been going on for us really on it's on the podcast front. Unfortunately, yeah, twenty twenty is just kind of um, has had many victims, and unfortunately, the Long Talks podcast has been a victim of it at times as well. But we have managed to kind of get a, a new episode out that was out, I think, about two weeks ago. So um, we are hoping to record again this week. Um, hopefully we will have a special guest joining us and we'll be having a discussion about Tazzy's favourite TV show, The Mandalorian. Um, so we're going to have a chat about that and how um, the story has developed on that, the kind of the, the things that we're enjoying, how it's become a kind of almost a cultural phenomenon um, with, with people across the world and and also what it means for the future of Star Wars as well. Um, so we should be recording that this weekend. So hopefully that will be out on Sunday or Monday of next week, I'm hoping. Aside from that, uh, we're pretty much kind of gearing up towards Christmas. So we haven't really decided what we're going to do for our Christmas special this year. But there are a few kind of Christmas-themed movies that uh, we're thinking of looking at. Um, and some of the ones that people don't necessarily always think of. So we're looking at possibly doing something with uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight as well which is a, a classic Christmas movie, <laughs> but people don't ever remember it. Um, so we'll be talking about that and maybe uh, having a dig around to see if we can find a few others that, that people don't talk about, like Gremlins as well. I, another Iron one Man Free. That people don't Iron Man Free. <laughs> yes, Iron Man Free as well, yep, because that's set in Christmas. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely um, be doing something like that, but we'll have some more information out on our social media channels when we start putting that together. Um, but yeah, otherwise, that's, that's pretty much it for me, uh, unless you wanted to add anything, Rich. No, everything that Jason said, and, um, but yeah, we should be having that. <laughs> yeah, you know what, everything you said, whatever, I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to this Mandalorian episode. Just before we started recording, I was talking about how much I love it and how much it's really helping uh, in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll have all the information linked in the podcast notes so that you can go and follow and be notified for when uh, that episode and future episodes are out. Um, so we're going to go into some uh, listener feedback and questions now uh, that we have gathered from email or social media. 
Uh, so the first question is from Kawhi Prince MH on Instagram. Do you feel the Civil War story shows any representation to things similar in real life? So I was thinking, I was initially thinking this was like the sort of gun debate in America uh, until Tazzy mentioned the human element because we're talking about humans. Um, but I guess that was kind of, or at least that's why I felt was similar to things that are going on like today, particularly in America's idea of, you know, should you regulate guns? I don't know. That's a, that's a touchy subject over there anyway, but that's why I felt was the closest um, thing to this. Mm. Yeah, it's, 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 that's a really good question, actually. Um, I think maybe perhaps you could, you could argue the way that um, there is a, 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 or there certainly was at, at the time of um, Trump's election and, and during his kind of four years, there was this pushback against the idea of globalization and that, what you know, one of the things that kind of spun out of that debate is the idea of the things like the United Nations and the World Health Organization and these big global institutions and, and the authority that they wield over individual nations and how some people feel that that's a bit insidious um, and that, you know, the, these big corporate, these, well, they're not corporations, but these big you know, institutions can't be trusted. Um, non-elected you know, with, with people. Yeah, they're, they're non-elected bodies that, that aren't held accountable to anybody and, and things like that. And so I suppose, you know, over the last kind of four or five years, the debate that's kind of ping-ponged around that is is maybe similar to, to kind of some of the the things that they discuss in, in Civil War. So I, I guess that would be, from my perspective, maybe the, the closest thing in, in the real world that, it's like that. I think it would just be a thing of like, it's just reflective of the world in general. Like, no matter what happens, like us as a human race, we can't, we don't, we just don't get on. We are like <laughs> Tony Stark. We're like, no, we're like Tony Stark and, and, and Steve Rogers. We're like brothers that, you know, everybody loves each other as a human race, but there's going to be that one or two thing that like this person does that's, that's going to, you know, it's going to upset you. Like, maybe they don't put the lid down on the toilet. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, like, you know, like, that you know, will I'm start just civil war. That, that, that will start civil war for real. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised in a house full of women for real, real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, like, it, it just boils down to that thing of, you know, just people in charge and choice. And when is it right and when is it wrong? Like, no matter what, it, no, no matter, you know, when you think of, you know, as long as we've all been alive, that's always a thing. And it becomes more and more apparent as you get older, like I said. We're now at a certain age now where, you know, if, if this was real life, we'd kind of be like, you know, I don't need that headache. Tony starts kind of saying what I want to hear right now because I don't need that headache in my life when someone comes to take over. So you have that type of mentality now, even more with social media, you've got people just clashing heads all the time. And, um, and it just reminds you, watching Civil War as well, that, listen, just because we don't get on or don't, or, sorry, just because we don't agree on something doesn't mean that we shouldn't get on. And that's becoming more and more apparent now. Like, you know, you know, you don't believe you can respect something, but don't believe in it. And that's it. You've got a war on your hands because you just don't, you know, you just choose not to believe what that person is saying. So it just reminds me of like the, the dark side of the human race. But um there's hope still. 2021's coming. <laughs> it's I feel like it's just a it's like a slice of life. <laughs> kind of film um because it just it just delves into so many human things that i mean it's just yeah it's 
everything, every friendship, like can relate, even down to the, you know, each side had their like group. You get that, don't you? When you're having like an argument with a friend, (laughs) everyone kind of like chooses a side. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, I think it's just a very reflection of like human, humanness. And maybe a reflection of some things that as a human race, we need to work on communication, empathy, and understanding mm. uh, that we can, we can do better at. So the next question is from Kota Kitty on Instagram. This is the first we see Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU. Do you feel they did Spider-Man justice? Oh, emphatically yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Emphatically yes. yes. He, he, he was he was amazing. He he surpassed every expectation that I had of him. You know, the, he he's just gone on from strength to strength with with that character. Um, from Spider Man Homecoming, which is another film I uh, absolutely adore. You know, up to Far From Home and his appearance in the Avengers movies as well. He he's he's just. He's been phenomenal. He's come to embody, you know, every, all of the, the the good things that that character represents. Um, he he came to embody very very quickly uh, within Civil War, and you know, he he just seemed to get it instantly, instantly got it with, with what you know what that character is about, why he's so relatable to people, and why he's, you know, Spider Man is such a, a beloved character around the world. Got it instantly, and. Yeah, his his portrayal was was fantastic. So yeah, totally, totally think he was um, phenomenal in this movie. Yeah, I was just saying he had a he he had a good introduction that also sort of embodied the character, like we said, without getting bogged down with the having to go over the uh, the origin story. Mm-hmm. He just was the character, and that we know, but he played it so well, and he came in yeah. as we would expect. <laughs> Um, a 16-year-old who's just discovered his powers to come in. He's just played it so well. No, because I I was going to say, like, the reason why I think all of that works so well with him is because for the first time ever, he was played by a kid. Like, like I think think that's the one thing that that we've, you know, when we got Tom Holland's and looking back at the other versions of Spider-Man, you know, some people will say some are rubbish, some people like more than others. I think they're all good in their own Mm -hmm. right. But it's the one thing that you always notice is, like, look at Tobey Maguire and you're just like, you still don't, you still look young, but you've got that young man, old man face. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, you know, you know, like same thing with Andrew Garfield. Like, I like, you know, like, yeah, like you kind of got that receding hairline. Not say that's a bad thing because I'm going bored myself, but if you're in school, you shouldn't have that already. You know, not say that it doesn't happen to people because I'm not trying to fun, but you know what I'm trying to say? And I think Tom Holland brought that, that youthfulness with him into the character. And it just that's why it just made everything just that look that more believable. And that that's the reason why he knocks it out of the park. Easy. Mm. Yeah, he's he's got that, he's got a bit of a baby face, so it definitely helped bring that in. And he just plays that like fresh teen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well. <laughs> um and um yeah, I think I think he done a great job and did do it justice. Cause we've seen the Spider-Man story like however many umpteen times. And to come in and make you feel like, wow, I want to watch more of this so much. And I want to see more of this. I think he done very well uh, in that role. And yeah, great introduction and, and great delivery of 
hilarious lines of being like, oh my God, <laughs> like, <laughs> like when he Am I doing the right meets thing? <laughs> Captain America and he like salutes him. <laughs> just that whole, every moment in that fight scene. It's like, just brilliant. who is he fighting? And they're like talking. Is it uh, Falcon? Falcon yeah. And Falcon's like, you know, not usually in a fight, there's not this much talking. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, oh yeah, and you're just like learning how to fight with these Avengers and <laughs> But Captain America gives him his credit yeah. at near the end of that fight, which was a cool moment. Oh, when they're like, Oh, where are you from? In Queens, uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, you got you got what did he say? You've got guts or something? I don't know. Said you got heart kid, where are you from? Yeah, you yeah. And oh, it's lovely. I was going to say, do you want to know something funny as well? Like, it just shows you how much Tony Stark and Steve Rogers are the set alike, so alike anyway. Because they both, just like how much they, like, they look at Peter Parker, they're just like, wow, this kid's got Yeah. Something. And they also mm-hmm. want to protect like, it, it, that. Just... Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next question is also from Kotakiti. Oh, it's kind of a follow-on for the que- from the same question. Were you excited at his big reveal in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, but I was, but in hindsight, I wish like there's that part of me that wishes that uh, I mean, let's, I'm going to throw this out there. Imagine like you, they had all the Civil War trailers and there was no Spider-Man in it, and all of a sudden you watch it and spy and you he just turns up in Queens. Did you, everyone's like, yeah, what? that would have been. What the hell is he doing yeah. in Queens? Yeah, come on, that like, people would have had heart attacks. <laughs> I, I feel like they could have done that as well and and just let the chat like once the first group of people saw it let that because obviously it gives the movie an extra boost having spider-man in it but i feel like that could have happened really naturally and they could have still like people would have still been like okay i need to see it tomorrow and still hit their box off it, please, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i think i i i would have loved that too but i i can understand why they they did it i mean at the oh, end yeah. of the day he he money. is their flagship character and yeah exactly money, <laughs> you know so you know so, as yeah. much as as much as people were, were always gonna turn up to see a you know um a third captain america film at that point you know why why not guarantee a few more people go and see it by saying look we've got spider-man in it as well you know, so um, so yeah, you know, it, it made sense from from their point of view. But but yeah, as as a fan, that that would have been crazy if if they'd said nothing at all, and then it just yeah, and then he's just revealed in the movie that yeah, as Rich said, there would have been a lot of people calling ambulances. I think <laughs> at the cinema. <laughs> um. So that is it from our questions. Just a reminder to all our lovely listeners that you can send your feedback to feedback at myamada.com or on social media at myamada on twitter at myamada tees on instagram or at tazzy on both and that brings us to the end of our show so thank you to rich and jason for yeah coming on for the third time and chatting some comics and comic book movies with us yeah, thank you man it's always a pleasure to um yeah. be on the story x story podcast and yeah it's always fun to to chat to you guys Appreciate yeah, man, it's it. been nice. Good to be back. Um, call us back again, man. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> you want to come back? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll take you up on that. Um, so yeah, you can always uh, subscribe to us if you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes, and you can go back 
in the past um sort of end game like and listen to past episodes also don't forget to check out our stories so we make manga uh stories set within our own universe of characters we have a new manga that we're working on at the moment but you can go to mymatter.com forward slash manga to check out the current stories uh, and manga volumes that we have uh, if there are any gamers listening we also run the gamepad event we have our discord community that we are building up as well as our upcoming gamepad event on 16th of january 2021 aside from that stay tuned because we will have more podcast episodes with creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stores across pop culture like the one you have just heard you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymeta.com forward slash story x story so until next time stay tuned say stay safe everyone and yeah maybe just talk it out that might solve your problems so take care